0: Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love and grace and mercy, your precious word, your precious promises. Thank you for the faith that you have imparted to us, the measure of faith. Thank you for loving us so much. Thank you mostly that our names are written in the book of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So let's just talk about that a little bit today. We were talking, of course, about something that's a, they call a political hot potato, I guess, today. Not to me. Nothing really matters to me. I'm not going to have any, or judge, I'm not going to have a judge, I'm not going to have uh, anyone to tell me how to conduct myself other than the Holy Scriptures of God the only one and true righteous judge. For those who are just beginning to hear this message by recording, we were just talking about the fact that one brave man did not take a knee at a ball game recently during the anthem. And I say that's the right response because he said he only kneels to God. I said the problem there is there are a lot of Christians, air quotes, on that field. I was thinking about this, not that particular incident that you mentioned, but I was thinking about this on the way up here. And you're always trying to think of natural examples and things to use to help people to make the connection, but I... There's a, you know, we love each other. You just have to preface this with that. The Christians, we are to love each other. Jesus said, love one another. This this was his command. And he was, it wasn't, we, we love everyone because God is love and God lives in us. He's the temple of the Holy Spirit. So we're, we're loving out of the overflow. It's not a feeling, it's a choice. Amen. Amen. So even the kneelers we love. Amen. (laughs) Anything that God hates, we still love the person. We don't attach that sin, even if they don't call it sin and they identify by it, we still don't agree with that. Because we know how to separate the division between soul and body. The scriptures do that, you see, with the help of the Holy Spirit. So we love everyone, and we do love all Christians. Jesus said, this is how they will know who my true believers are. Their love, one for another. That's why I thank God for this little body of believers, because it's special. But, there is also a thing that the world, uh, at the church at large, has sort of turned the spigot off. And that's church discipline. <laughs> the scriptures, God doesn't put things on people like he used to. He does. In the Old Testament, before we had the Holy Spirit, before we had salvation in Christ, he's redeemed us from the curse of the law. Amen. Amen. The law of sin and death, the law that compelled us to sin, that fallen sin nature. Amen. But Jesus said, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words, then I'll be ashamed of of them before my Father and before the angels in heaven. And there's some great pretenders out there calling themselves Christians and then doing everything in their power to blend in with the world. Not to cause offense and not to make anyone mad at them. Well, Jesus himself said, you know, I didn't, I didn't come to bring peace but a sword. The divisions will be in your own household even. And that's not because that's what he wants. But he said, if you're really living for me, you're going to suffer persecution. And sometimes you're going to find it very close to you. The devil's going to make sure of that. But listen, just like I always say, unforgiveness and bitterness are not options for a Christian. So is, this, so is this thing against the very foundation of the Holy Scriptures and against the new covenant in Christ. This, this ideology that uh, this Christianity of ours is a private affair. Salt is never meant to stay in the salt shaker, you see. Ministers are to prepare believers for the work of the ministry. It's out there. The harvest field is great. The harvesters are few. Jesus said, "We we'll always be praying that God would send more workers into the harvest field. Why? Because there are too many Christians that just check it off their list. And then they leave him at the church on Sunday. This is not real. There's only one judge. I'm not here to to put anyone into hell or to make that decision. Thankfully, it's not mine to make. But I'm just saying... <coughs> I guess with uh, you know when I used to ride Harley's, <laughs> those a lot of those guys they uh, they made fun of a lot of other guys. Call them the sort of weekend warriors, you know. <laughs> I don't know. And and as a as as a sort of a someone who owns. Cattle and farming and all that sort of thing. It's the same way with cowboys. They talk about these drugstore cowboys, you know. I remember here. I remember hearing some of the old timers say, "Yeah, he's all hat and no cattle." <laughs> but it's sort of the same with Christianity, isn't it? There's a lot of great pretenders out there and I would say that now more than ever they need to stand up and be counted. They need to stand up and quit standing up for the things that are opposed to God and calling it good. If you're not voting the scriptures... You know, you can make the Bible say anything you want. I've shown you that before. But I'm telling you, there are, there, are, there are so many things that are opposed to God, diametrically opposed. I mean, starting with just rejecting Him in general, out loud. Yeah. And then with agreeing with killing off unborn children who are children, yes, amen. marriage, this globalist economic worldview, ungodly. Yes, amen. This world without borders, ungodly. That's right. Oh, that's mean, that's racist. No, you're ignorant if you say that. And I'm ignorance is a term that's used commonly in the bible and i'm not talking about it in a derogatory where i'm trying to hurt someone's feelings or just put them down and criticize them i'm telling them they're ignorant of the truth and it's available to them through the scriptures amen Amen. deuteronomy 28 the fifth book of the bible you read it and you might not think it sounds like grace but it is God's heart has always been merciful and loving but he's just amen yes. and in Deuteronomy chapter 28 you know it's the fifth book of the bible the number for grace and three times when the devil approached Jesus those three smooth stones that Jesus took from the brook Which was the type and shadow of David and Goliath. Amen. To fight spiritually against Satan when he came at him. He only used one. Deuteronomy. Every time. Every response. (laughs) Just a tidbit there. Chapter 28. It talks about the curses and the blessings. And I just want to read the beginning of that to you before I take you to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20. But in the beginning of Deuteronomy, chapter 28, he's talking about the blessings for obedience. And I, I, this chapter is... Is wonderful. He talks about a lot of things that I, you know, they're the sort of old terminology for farming things and stuff like that. You need to take and, and expound on them and realize that, you know, he's talking about your store basket and things like that. He's talking about your pantry at home, okay? Okay. <laughs> but nevertheless, all these blessings are yours. Because of Christ's obedience to God. He also lists all the curses that have come upon you for disobedience. Jesus bore that curse on on his body on the tree. So now you're just blessed automatically and nothing bad will ever happen to you, no of these curses will ever come upon you automatically? Nope. It's yours. It's yours for sure. It's on account. Verse 1. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today. Jesus did that for you. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. He's done that. You're seated with Christ in heavenly places. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you. God has spoken his blessing over you. And he wants them to come upon you and overtake you. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God, blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall you be in the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground, the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herbs and the young of your flock. He's saying in everything good, God has blessed it for your life. He wants everything good for you. Beloved, I, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health, even as thy soul prospers. Third John 2. Right? That's God's will for your life. And he's made provision for that. If you obey the voice of the Lord your God, we need to hearken diligently, the King James says. We need to be listening to God. And when we hear him, when we're not hindered, remember I talked about the four soils last week, and the only one that produced 30, 60, 100-fold return, wasn't the path people, wasn't the thorn people. No, it was it was the people that had least, the least, the stony ground had all been removed, the rocks and the thorns, and it had been tilled up so it wasn't impacted it was it was soft ground and supple ground and it was unhindered by all the cares and the things of the world that doesn't mean you're supposed to go live on top of a mountain somewhere and hum to yourself all day god wants you to have things he just wants you to have him first Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. I had it the other way a couple times. I had lots of sorrow with it. It's better to let him rebuild on his word and on his ways and have peace. Because really that's what you want anyway. All the things that we think we want that were going to fulfill us. Whether it be cars or houses or jobs or relationships or titles or degrees or whatever it might be. It's not going to do it. It's still going to leave a God-sized void in you apart from Christ. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 2 Corinthians one twenty. We've been talking about the promises of God. I would, I told you how the book of Joshua, Joshua's type and shadow of Jesus, same word in the Hebrew, just in a different form. Joshua led the children of God, the Israelites, into the promised land. Moses had to die before they went in. They they mourned for his death. The Lord himself honored him by burying him upon that mountain. And so, nothing against Moses. The law was perfect, but it was never going to get them into the promised land. And that's what Moses was the type and shadow of. No, it took Joshua to bring them into the promised land. Just like it takes Jesus to bring us into the land of promises. He has all those natural examples to show us spiritual truths that have now been revealed in Christ and are ours And 2 Corinthians one twenty explains this very well. Reading from the English Standard Version, For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That's in Christ Jesus. That is why it is through Him that we utter our amen to God for His glory. I'm going to unpack that for you a little bit because it says a lot. It's actually hard to, to uh, they say, to, to, to really uh, interpret that in English because the Greek of it is so condensed that it's hard. But you, there's some beautiful examples of the King James Version, all the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen, and, uh, and the NIV uh, as well. I just happen to use the English Standard Version most of the time. But it's saying that all of the promises of God, and I told you that someone said there's about 8,000 of them in this Bible, they're all for you. And it says says that they are. it's, It's in the present, the perfect tense. It's not were or going to be. They are right now for you in Christ. The problem with many Christians, and again, I, 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 I don't enjoy talking about preachers and Christians. I do it out of love. There's a scripture that says, am I, become, am I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? But we have to get on the same page. All the divisions in the church are really the divisions of man. Christ is not divided. So we need to figure it out. How can two preachers who claim to worship the same God have diametrically opposed views on the scriptures? There are many theologians out there who really just beat their heads against the wall when they when they like the, the religious leaders of the day who had been studying their whole lives, like Paul, uh, who when he was Saul, was one of them. The Apostle Paul, he used to be one of them. But they would be... They not—they were scratching their heads when they heard Peter stand up on the day of Pentecost and preach a sermon that would just blew their minds. Because he was just an unlearned fisherman. Just a regular dude. Who weeks before, well, three years before, they had seen you know, out there cussing and fighting and who knows what Peter was up to. Maybe we can ask him one day. It was bad enough when he said, Lord, get away from me. I'm bad dude. (laughs) Jesus said, that's all right. Come on. I'm going to show you how to fish for men." Problem in the church is that so many think that miracles were from for the past and that they passed away with the original apostles and they think that prosperity is for the millennium when Jesus comes back and we reign with him and so that leaves us meanwhile just just hanging on by a thread to the the scraps the crust of the bread that's barely worth having just just making a, just able to eke out a meager existence hoping for his hurried return which we do because it'll be by far better with him than without him but meanwhile he's provided for everything that we need for this life and godliness right now <clears throat> That other way of thinking robs Christians of hope. It robs Christians of all God's blessings because they don't just chase you down and overtake you without your assistance, without your participation. You know? I heard about the girl that ran from the boy until she caught him. (laughs) The Lord chased you down and caught you. You didn't catch him. Now he wants to be pursued a little bit. He loves you. And he's provided everything good for you. I was watching on TBN yesterday, I was on in a hurry. I had to get to another appointment somewhere, but as I was putting my shoes on in front of the TV, it was just on and and they were talking about the crucifixion and just in detail the pain and the showing the little whip they used that little braided thing with the the bones and the metal shards in it and how it was designed to rip and tear at the flesh and and the muscles and to get to the nerves to expose them and to wound and sometimes it would You know, it definitely brought on great agony and pain, but sometimes they couldn't bear it. They would pass out and things like that. And then they would put that big cross member of the cross on them and make them carry that. Sometimes that would weigh up to 100 pounds. You know, and they had been abusing him all night. Just mocking him and pulling out his beard and hitting him and spitting on him. Gamble for his clothes as he hung there suspended between heaven and earth. You know, the first thing he did when they hung him up on the cross was said, Lord, forgive them. Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. That's what I was telling you, uh, I think, last week or the week before. Remember that people that are in darkness, they don't know. They can't see. We're the light of the world. That's why... That's why... I have a problem with Christians who kneel on the sidelines just to be politically correct. Because there's a lot of Christians out there. I know that there are a lot of Christians in football. A lot of Christians in baseball. A lot of Christians in basketball. You don't see it much. Matter of fact, to the extent that a lot of Christians have stopped watching. I love the game because there's so much about football and baseball that can really teach a, a young man how to be a man if they paid attention, but they're not being taught those things about it. While they're spending all their money, the, you see the the problem is really starts with daddies all around this nation and the world. I was one of them. It was I didn't know my dad and had a bad situation with men and In general, in my life, you know, just with, you know, my, the man that ended up being my stepdad when I was 30, had taken care of me and my mom when I was a little boy, all through my childhood years from the time I was eight years old, on and off, and they fought violently at lunchtime and in the evenings, early evenings sometimes. Because his wife and him lived a couple blocks away, you see. One of my friends from school mowed their yard. So, anyways, I, well, I would never be like that, and it's the first thing I did. I became just just like that. I walked off and left a child, and he's an attorney here in town, he doesn't speak to me today. And that's the price I pay. You know, I believe for the restoration of that... But God, in His mercy, has given me another family. And I'm now, that's the best thing could happen to them. Best thing could happen to Him is to come back into my life. That's not me bragging on me, it's me bragging on Christ in me. There was never anything good in me apart from Christ. There's not anything good in anyone apart from Christ. Everything good comes from God. All the promises in this book are yes and amen. 2 Corinthians 1.20. Write it down. Circle it. Underline it. Put it on your scripture. I mean on your refrigerator. <laughs> but it all comes from you believing properly. First of all, they're all yes. You have to believe that. That it's for you. The answer is yes it pertains to you and you need it and you want it it's yes in Christ God is the only source Jesus is the only channel like I told you recently he's not wavering God is not deciding case by case Mm, yes no no yes he put these spiritual laws in place long before you ever came to this world you see He's not answering your prayers based on a case-by-case thing. If it's good, it's from God. If it's bad, it's from the devil. Now, sometimes there's testing and there's timing and things like that. But I'm just saying that if you're praying according to the Word of God... We know that God hears us, the scripture says, that if he hears us, we know that we have the petitions of our heart. We have what we pray for. (coughs) What I want to point out, because it's all encompassed in this one scripture, it's really all you need. You know, at one time, it was illegal for anyone to have a Bible. It was only in Latin and things like that, and then the regular folks couldn't even have one. They had to depend on preachers to, who sometimes misled them. That's why there was the Great Crusades and the Dark Ages and all that. It became it came because Christians weren't properly informed of the truth, or the veracity of the Scriptures. God didn't do that, but look at our part in the Scripture. Amen. Our part's the Amen. Amen means so be it. Let it be done as you say unto me. Amen, so be it. Sums it up. So, we find a promise in this book that pertains to our situation. If he did it for one, he'd do it for you. He's no respecter of persons. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. We find a promise. We say, God, did you say this? Do you mean this? He says, yes. That's his answer already. (laughs) And you say, well, amen. That means you claimed it. Now you stand on it. That's how you appropriate the promises of God. I've been talking about the promises of God, the land of promises, and all this for a couple of weeks. And I just wanted to share with you, because people say, well, where is it? So am mine, where is it? I, I just want to share with you how we appropriate the promises of God. The things of God, the things that are your inheritance in Christ, that you are living short of. We're all living very short of our inheritance in Christ. And it's not his fault. It's not his desire that we should live below our inheritance. It's just that we haven't. It, you know, there's such a thing as spiritual laziness. You might be the hardest worker in town and just be as spiritually lazy as you can be. I know a lot of people like that. I find myself in those shoes sometimes. <laughs> you know? But the Bible says he whose mind is stayed on the Lord will be kept in perfect peace. Isaiah twenty six three, I believe. So, you say, well, yeah, you become so spiritually minded, you know earthly good. Right? We heard that a lot. But it's really not true. There are people like that. They're claiming spirituality, but a really, a truly spiritual person is not. No earthly good that's the opposite of what they are they're very practical people actually find the promise take it to the Lord you said he said yes right baby you say, well amen I'm claiming it. I'm standing on the promises of God Amen. That's what that means. That's why you know when we when we meet each other and we talk about the thing. I think I posted up a, an old one of my old memories. You know how your memories pop up from years ago on Facebook, and you can share it if you want. One of them was have you have you prayed about it as much as you've talked about it, <laughs> <That's good. clears throat> and and it's good. And when we do talk, you know, we shouldn't be talking to people that we know are going to believe uh, or, or or agree with us in a carnal way. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah, they're wrong. They're bad. You're right. Heck with them. You don't need that. You know, that's it sounds good, but that's really not your friend. I mean, your friend might tell you you don't need that. You know, the scriptures are very clear on Christians being yoked with unbelievers. It just is. Why put yourself behind the eight ball already? Just going into something, you know. Now, if you come to know the Lord after the fact, then that's a whole different thing. And God will send you help, believe me. But our part's amen. The key to all this, there's a couple of things. that It says, by us. By us. For all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That is why in Him... It is through him that we utter our amen to God for his glory. We, us. King James says, by us. Or the NIV says, by us. So it's us. It's not just, it's not the apostles. It's not the old saints of of history. It's not just for great super Christians. It's for regular Christians like you and me. And we can appropriate all the promises. And the key is that it's to the glory of God. What you're asking for, does it glorify God? Because that's really what it's all about. That's what you're all about. Supposed to be. To the glory of God. So not only. Should it glorify God the what you're asking for and how you expect to use it but I, can I tell you this is what this is really saying the more you appropriate God's promises the more it glorifies God that's what you need to get your mind around. remember how I told you if you knew that you're just a sprinkler you would never say, "Oh God, I have all I need don't 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 give me anything else. Ah. If you then that tells me you thought it was all for you anyway. You blessed to be a blessing. And if you knew that, that you just a sprinkler, you say, Lord, turn it up. Turn it up, Lord. I'm trying to reach further. Trying to I'm trying to water the whole pasture, Lord. There's really only two options unbelief. Which robs God of his glory. Or faith. Which glorifies God. It gives them the glory that's due to him. And if you're operating by faith. Then you will learn to appropriate the promises of God for you and yours. Romans 3.23 says that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You see that? Sin, by design, by its very nature, robs God of His glory. It falls short of the glory of God. And so it causes us to, us, we who are meant to glorify God. Are you with me? So that's the essential nature of sin, is that it robs God of his glory. And we don't want to do that. So we want to learn to participate in the spiritual laws that he's put in place for our benefit. Not for our harm. Romans, since I'm in Romans, everybody's familiar with 3.23 that said we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But look at Romans 4.20 and let's look at the opposite Of acting in unbelief. Let's look at what happens. When we act in faith. I'll use the example of Abraham. Romans 4 verses 20 and 21. No unbelief made him waver. Concerning the promise of God. You see there? But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God. This is talking about Abraham who was 99 years old before God fulfilled a promise to give him Isaac, the child of blessing. His name's is laughter, is what it means. Because Sarah laughed when God when the Lord told her she was going to have a kid because she was already old. But not as old as she was going to be when she had him. Matter of fact, it got to the point where they were like, maybe we need to help him out. So she told Abraham to go in there with her servant girl and they created Ishmael. God said, no. A lot of times we create Ishmaels in our lives. We don't want to wait for God. We don't want. We want it our way and our time. And we're going to give God so much. We're going to do it God's way. We'll try it His way. We'll give Him a chance. We we'll give Him a chance. But there's limitations on this, Lord. And then I'll just have to. Do, I'll just have to take it from you and take care of it myself. That's the truth. I know people in that in that situation right now. It's a very dark place to be. We're still fighting those Ishmaels in this world. That's the Middle East over there. Those are the enemies of God. And you know still God wants to pluck each and every one out individually if they will repent and turn to Christ and they're getting saved in droves. You won't won't hear about this in the media because they're trying to get rid of the church anyway. You can go to a riot, but you can't go to church. You can have 17 funerals for somebody who's a a liberal activist, but if somebody loses their mama and daddy in regular America, they can't even have a funeral for them or go see them while they're in the hospital passing away. Somebody needs to get mad at the devil, folks. I don't know if any of you had a chance to see uh, a good man being cross-examined yesterday by a demon board. I did, partly. Attorney General Barr is a good man. And you want to see Satan on display? Just watch. Go back and look at those people. The venom coming out of them. They've even stopped trying to conceal it now, folks. They've begun to call evil good. In the old days, they would at least hide. Everybody knew the difference in right and wrong and they would conceal it if they believed the wrong way a lot of them still believed it the wrong way now they've been exposed and the only, they said well we was just coming out of the closet then and we'll just call evil good and we'll just shove it down their throats long enough until the young folks believe it and if we can we'll get it down to where they can vote at 4, 5, 6 years old if we can make it if we can and if somebody, you know, and old, old Miss Robinson, we just, we love her. She votes, she votes liberal. So we're just happy that she's never missed a vote, even though she took her last breath 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> this example of Abraham is great. Because it's, it's for us. He was just a man. That's what it says. He's just a man like us. A woman like you. He wasn't anything special. Matter of fact, he did some bad things. He lied one time and had, had his wife tell this king that uh, was his sister, you know. And he took her into his harem. He didn't do anything to her because God prevented him from it. God came to him in a dream and told him what's what, but Abraham did it to save his own neck. I'm pointing this out because the Bible points it out. He points out not only did he do it, but his son after him did the same thing. David did some bad things. God says, a man after my own heart not because of the bad things but because he didn't run from God he ran to him when light was shined on his sin this is a key to a successful christian life we got to quit running from God he knows everything already And He's the only one that can fix it. Jesus already paid for that sin that you're running from God for. And still He wants you to walk in the blessing. That's why I told you miracles are not God's best. We know they're the best when you need one. Problem is, He don't want you to need one. He don't want you to get to crisis, to crisis, to crisis. He wants you to walk... In the blessing He wants you to stand on the promises of God He wants you to pursue Him Find the things that pertain to your given situation And apply it to your life Ask God about it You know His answer is yes Because you're going to have in your Right there hanging on the wall In your prayer closet 2 Corinthians 1.20 that says all the promises of God in Christ Are yes and in Him, Amen To God's glory. We say amen. So be it. He's already done it. Now we wait. Now we wait. We don't run from Him. We run to Him. We don't question Him. Why does God do this? Mark 11.24 says, When we pray... We must believe that we have what we pray for when we pray, and then we shall have it. That don't seem right to the world, and they'll tell you that's silly and that's foolishness. Well, God loves to use the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Those who are wise in their own eyes. The, the Greeks of this world, that they would talk about them as in the Old Heavens. They wanted the philosophers and stuff like that. There was a great preacher who was a philosopher, uh, professor at Cambridge University, and a fellow, and he's passed away now. But he said that he spent his life, before he knew Jesus, just trying to find wisdom and expound on the wonders of life and creation and all these things. And he said he was just feeding on the trash heaps and the crumbs of... The world. And when he found the truth and the promises of Christ in this new salvation experience, he disregarded all of that and he came to the place where this is the only thing that matters. If God said it, that settles it. And sometimes we are judging the promises of God based on our own situations and circumstances. In other words, yeah. We'll tell somebody else. Yeah, here, here's the, here's the, here's the promise right here for you. Here's what applies to your situation, and then when it comes to our own situation, well, eh, this one's maybe a little about out of out of his reach. I don't think this one qualifies. It's uh, this is a big one. <laughs> you, you don't understand my situation. You see how silly that sounds? Now we laugh, huh? But we do it all the time. We do it all the time. It's not that we really don't believe God can do it. We just don't believe He will do it for us. And that's sad because we really need to understand that God loves us more than we can ever possibly imagine. And God is not like the world. When He says yes, when He gives it, he doesn't take it back. John fourteen twenty seven, one of my favorite scriptures, Jesus on that faithful night, after he had talked about the Father, he had talked about the Holy Spirit, he wanted to give something personal to the disciples, and he gave them as a gift his own peace, the peace that they had watched and seen, calm the storms of this world. He said, My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give unto you. In other words, I'm not going to say take it back. Or I'm not going to decide later on, well, no, based on your behavior, I I take that back. No. It's a done deal. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. God's provision is not based on our situation. God is able to. Always, always, in all things, to meet our need. If we can only believe, Jesus said. That kid's daddy said, if you can. Jesus said, if I can. If you can believe. In other words, I can do anything. Can you believe? Can you believe for it? Why did God... Make Abraham wait till he was ninety-nine. He loved Abraham. Abraham was his friend. Think of all the mental anguish and torment. God said it, you know. And and he's walking around telling everybody all this time. Just in their eyes looking so silly and so foolish. Why did God send the prophet to go anoint? David in his house when he was just a a ruddy faced teenager as king when he wasn't going to be king for years and years and he had to run around and hide from the real king after he fell out of favor with him and a demon came on the king and he tried to kill him all the time had to hide in caves and, and do that here he knew he was the anointed king by God but there was still a king on the throne besides him for years. Moses, in his prime, he's 40 years old. He, I'm the savior that the scriptures talk about. I was raised in the palace. I have favor. I have political allies. I have military allies. I am one of them. I, it's, it's me and it's time. It wasn't time. He tried it on his own. He tried his got his own little Ishmael there, killed an Egyptian soldier. And then the the Hebrews turned on him. He had to Hebrew the he had to run for his life, basically the backside of the desert for forty more years. Why? I, there are a lot of reasons. I'm sure we'll find out more, but I know of two. Because by the time God granted them, well, he had already granted to them these promises, but once they were manifest, they had been emptied of all their self-confidence, you see. God wants us to be confident in him and him in us. But not self-confidence. I know so many that have self-confidence. A great self-confidence. Because they have been given gifts and talents and abilities and looks and strength and things like that from God. But all those things fade away. He wants us to be emptied of self-confidence. To a place where if it's going to be done now, it's going to have to be God that does it. Because I, I'm at the end of me. I'm at the end of all the ways that I had figured out that I could possibly accomplish this thing that he wants done. And it's just impossible now. Or it'll have to be God. Okay. Now I'll do it. Now I'll do it. Why? Because the other thing I told you about, the glory goes to God. In that situation, all the glory goes to God. Otherwise, we might be tempted to take some of the credit. Now, am I telling you, you're going to have to be feeble and old and and, uh, live in a cave for a while before God will grant the promises to you? No. I'm telling you to agree with God now. To humble yourself and realize that apart from God, I'm nothing. I can do nothing. But I have all things in Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All the promises of God in Christ are yes and amen. To the glory of God. To God be the glory. Father, you are worthy of all the glory, all the honor, all the praise. Lest I try to take any for myself, let me always remember that he's the one. So when we're totally dependent upon God, exhausted of all of our self-confidence and all the glory goes to Him, that's the way we need to conduct our lives. You can start that at Malachi's age. You don't have to be 80. It's just humility and the fear of the Lord. When I say fear of the Lord, it's a confident expectation of good from God. It's a time spent with God. It's an acknowledgement that God is the source of everything and that apart from him we're nothing. Amen? Amen. You love him today? Because he loves you so much, right? Father, thank you for loving us the way that you do. Thank you for the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your blood, for your life. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for your teaching and guidance. Thank you, Father, that our names are written in your book of life. Thank you for raising us up and helping us to be a help, to help heal people everywhere they hurt, empower them through the knowledge of you, to share the love of God with others, and to help them to receive the prosperity that you have for them, spirit, soul, and body, through all of the promises in your book. We love you and we thank you for loving us in jesus name amen, amen.